Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. Today, we are live as well as a special episode because we are live. We had uh, some of questions uh, in our communities from posts that Simon shared uh, celebrating his book deal with Penguin, which is the largest publishing house in the world. And a lot of people then started asking, how did you get it? And so Simon said, hey, you know what? I think we need to do a podcast around this. And I love the idea. And that's where we are. To understand how we got the largest, how we got this book deal, what got to the book deal. And uh, if you're watching live as well and you want to ask some questions, feel free to ask some questions and I'll pick them up. Now, if you don't know Simon Alexander Wong is, uh, everything that he does uh, is uh, to energize people and to see their world differently and to awaken their imagination of what is truly possible so they can live a better story. He's an award-winning coach and motivational speaker. He's been interviewed on Sky News, BBC and Forbes, and has spoken at some of the most, uh, the planet's most successful organizations, such as Salesforce, Google, Unilever, Microsoft, I had Barclays because I know you did stuff with Barclays as well. <laughs> yeah, is the book Energize will be launched by Penguin in April 2022. It's now available for pre-order on Amazon and the link is in the comments and in the show notes. Without further ado, can we please give a warm welcome to Simon Alexander Ong. How are you doing today? Simone, thank you so much for the kind introduction and welcome. It's a pleasure to catch up with you again uh, here. Uh, now, many people don't know, but we are actually neighbors. Uh, <laughs> since, since for a few months, we've been living uh, in, uh, in the same area. So first question, before we talk about uh, the, your, you know, your background, but uh, I want to ask you, what did you like? Because the area in which we live is called the Greenwich Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And if everyone wants to check it out on Google, just take out your Google phone or whatever you use and check it out. What do you like about the area in which you live in? It's, it's interesting, Simone, because when I first looked to move into the area, so I first rented before I purchased a property here in 2012. But when I first rented here, it was more because my journey, which we'll touch on in a moment, began in Canary Wharf. And so it was actually for convenience, being one tube station away from Canary Wharf. I thought it was a great place to live because I wasn't living around offices, but I was far enough away in which I could have a break from the fast pace of a city. So I started moving here because it was quiet, it was green, it was close to the river, close to the park. And that's what drew me to this area, Simone. Well, that's a beautiful area. I invite everyone to check it out. Um, by the river, by the river Thames. Oh my God, amazing. Uh, but now let's talk about you. And uh, uh, now we have a lot of people that uh, they ask in the group, uh, you know, what, how did you get the book deal? How in particular, how did you get the book deal with Penguin, which is not a small publishing house? And uh, some of the biggest influencers in the world and biggest authors in the world have been published by Penguin. So congratulations for that. Now, for people that don't know a bit about you, tell us a bit more about your journey and uh, what got you a bit to this point. Sure, Simone. Well, when I was a teenager around 17 years old, I grew up with this belief that to be successful, I had to pursue a career in banking uh, as a doctor, as an accountant, or as a lawyer. And I'm sure many of us watching or listening may relate to that. 
And so when I graduated from university, I followed the banking route. I started in the financial services sector, probably not at the best time, Simone, uh, in the middle of 2007, a year before the financial crisis. Uh, that wasn't a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so not a great time to start. And I quickly discovered that it was not the path for me. And so began the longest journey that we as humans take, the inches from our heads to our hearts. And it is never an easy one, which I quickly came to learn. But it is the most important and fulfilling mm. that you will ever embark on. And by doing so, Simone, I ended up exploring the world of coaching. So I went to a two-day event held here in London. And what I saw and learned in just those 48 hours convinced me that it was an area that I should begin to explore further. And so... Over the next five years, I began to transition myself away from full-time employment and into the world of entrepreneurship yeah. as a full-time coach. And from there, the journey kept stacking on top of each other. So as I started coaching people and enjoying the experience, people were experiencing great benefits for their careers, for their businesses, and for their brands that I started to get invitations to speak at some of the companies that you mentioned in my introduction the likes of Barclays, the likes of Virgin, the likes of Salesforce. And so the speaking then led me to do consultancy work. And more recently, which is a topic of today's episode, is landing a book deal with the world's largest publishing house. Well, uh, so you mentioned that, you know, the longest journey of human beings, the hinges from your head to your heart. How was for you that transition uh, from... Uh, your head to your heart, let's put it this way. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, Simone, uh, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, it, it's certainly a challenge. Uh, and especially because I grew up in a culture in which the onus was on academic excellence, your status, how much money you're earning. And so when I began mentally to start saying no to those sort of things that I thought was the definition of success, there mm. wasn't many people that I could seek help from because no one in my family at the time had done this journey. Uh, no one in my friend circles at the time had done that journey. They were all in employment. So it felt like for me, I was starting life again from scratch. I had to learn from new mentors, new coaches, read new books, and immerse myself in a world I'd never done before. And there have been many challenges. Admittedly, there are still some today, very different mm -hmm. challenges, but still challenges nonetheless. But what I've learned is that these challenges, which you and I will face throughout our lifetime, they are important because within those challenges, although they're not very nice at the time, they will eventually become the moments that thrust you into a story that you can never look back from. They thrust you into a story in which you were meant to live, in which the choice is now yours to decide if you want to follow the wisdom of your curiosities. And it's a journey I'm still on, Simone. It's a journey that I think we never finish. And that is the joy of life, the magic of being alive on this planet. How was it, how was it received by your family, your friends at the time when you said, I'm going to be a life coach? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had some interesting experiences with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can relate, Simone, and also some of those joining us today. For me, it was interesting because when I started to share this with my friends and, and family members what happened is that people were saying simon why are you looking to give up a well-paying job that gives you a decent pension 
lots of perks and you get to have all these holidays each year for something that is well not very stable you're not guaranteed an income every month you don't know what next year is going to bring you don't even know if you're going to make the same money next year as you did this year so why are you doing that and it was it taught me that often people don't know what is going on in their own mind there's a feeling that we have and i call it energy in my book energize there's some energy that we have that comes from inside that no one but us can feel it has no words so obviously we can't communicate it well to others but it's just a feeling it's as if you've got a voice or an inner compass inside of you yeah speaking and waiting for you to listen and when you are ready to listen it will become your greatest guide in life it is there for a reason it exists for a reason and so i had to instead of seeking advice and approval from others i had to seek my own approval i had to seek my own counsel and eventually simone which is i guess part of the entrepreneurial journey mm -hmm. they've come back to me and said simon how did you do that how did you exit employment and go into the world of entrepreneurship yep. end up making this what you're doing full time and so it just shows the importance of if you have a feeling if you have something that is appealing that speaks to you listen to that because that will have more wisdom than the people around you in terms of their advice very often uh that's such a strong point that's such a strong point because i remember even when i started there was that inner thing this inner voice that was saying this is this is the right thing for you go ahead do it and uh, even if i have completely different background no connections it was a totally new field and it took years mm -hmm. to be like people don't realize that just the, fir the first four years of, of my business journey were mainly about learning not even making any money at all but it was uh, that was for four years and ever some a lot of people they do a couple of months and they say it doesn't work <laughs> but there is a there is that inner knowing and you say yes this is this is it this is this is your thing so i want to fast forward from that moment when you decided okay this is what i want to do how was uh, the beginning of uh, of your speaking career because uh, you have the coaching aspect of your business but also you have the speaking aspect of your business so let's start going from the speaking aspect of it. How was it the beginning and how did you build as well the, the part of your, of your business? Sure. Well, I'll share with you my first speaking experience, which when I look back now, Simone, I, I kind of laugh, but in a, in a very nice way now, because the first speaking experience I had was free. I was helping a friend out uh, who was running a meetup group at the time. Uh, you, you may have been part of meetup.com. They have some great- 100%, yeah. And this was being held in Covent Garden. And he was saying to me, Simon, I'd love for you to come along, share some insights about coaching and how coaching is a skill that we can all benefit from. Uh, and I've got about 55, 60 people signed up. And so I went along to this event in which I was speaking. And it was a weekday evening. It was the middle of winter and it was dark, it was raining. And I turned up at the event and five minutes before it was about to start, I see there's only about six or seven people. And I was just joking with my friend and saying, well, you told me there's gonna be 55, 60 people, but there's only about six or seven people here. This feels like I'm sitting in an Alcoholics Anonymous group more than a presentation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my first experience. But what I did is I still delivered a talk as if it was 55 or 60 people in that room. And it gave me the opportunity to practice. Even though there was mm -hmm. only a small number of people in that room, I took it as an opportunity to practice. And that then helped me to be more confident and comfortable 
on stages because I think that's important. We have to be, and we touched on this earlier, we have to be inwardly confident to go up on stage before we have even delivered the content. Because if you're not, no matter how good your content is, it just doesn't have the same energy when you present it. So yeah. that was the first time I was up on stage and it opened my eyes to the power of being on stage because when you're up there, number one, you have no idea who is in the audience. There could be someone in that audience that hears you, resonates with your message and wants to get other people to hear about what you have to share. Second is the impact you have today, especially is if you are coming with value, there will be people in the audience that are taking pictures, videos, taking quotes from your talk and sharing it across social media. Mm -hmm. That is free marketing. You're not paying them to market it. They're doing it because they love what you have to share. Yeah. And the third thing is it helps to build your brand. Now, if you're smart about it, you can use speaking, which I did, uh, and which I was fortunate to learn very early. You can use your speaking gigs and events to begin building your brand for future opportunities. Oh, and now you, you got me on the, on, on the brand part and I'm going to ask you, which is going to be the, the ne my next question. But before that, I want to also make a point about uh, the importance of doing those small speaking engagements. Because I remember like you uh, speaking in events where there were like two people, three people, four people, five people. And honestly, those ones are more difficult than <laughs> when you have 200, 300 people in the audience. By far. I mean, my, that's personally for my opinion, because uh, now, you know, in, in a 200, 300 people audience, you must, you don't see the old, everyone's individual face. You don't see all the, the, the moment where they're there, when they're looking at their phone with five people, you can see every single facial expression. You can see every single reaction they do. If they cross their arm and they start thinking, oh, are they liking what I'm saying? Are they not liking what I'm saying? And <laughs> I remember it actually took me quite a while to get comfortable. And speaking in front of five or six people, speaking in front of 200 people was not a problem. <laughs> Being on five or six, that, that was the most ner ner nerve wracking. But uh, let, let's talk about the importance of building a brand because you, a big part of the reason why you got this book deal you got the corporate gigs that you had, which you're going to talk about that in a moment as well. Uh, the coaching clients that you have and build your business and profile is because you were methodical and incredibly skilled in building your brand. Like I've, I've known you, but we've been knowing each other from the beginning of our careers and you have seen my evolution. I've seen your evolution. Uh, so Tell me what is your approach to creating and promoting your personal brand? Sure. So I think a great place to start first of minute, when we think about brand, the very first place we have to start is knowing what is the message you want to communicate and who are the people you are serving? Because if you don't know that, you, there's no information that you can use to build your brand. And it is like, uh, there's a great example I share when I speak to people about brand. I say to them, imagine you are in the market to buy a black tray with gold handles. Now, if you go to Aldi or Lidl, what is the maximum that you would expect to pay for this black tray? And people may say 
five pounds or six pounds for this black tray. Yeah. And then I asked him the second question, the same tray, you go to Waitrose, how much do you expect to pay as a maximum? And now they may say, well, 10 or 15 pounds. And then I say to him as a final question, now let's go to Harrods, the same black tray, what is the maximum that you would expect to spend? And some people say, oh, 250 pounds, 300 pounds. But the actual product has not changed. The only mm -hmm. thing that has changed is the branding. So I think we've got to understand first, who is our target audience? What is the sort of messages that we want to get across? Once we know that, that helps inform our branding. It's why if you use dating websites or apps, Match.com's website looks very different to Gray and Farrow, which are for building exclusive relationships with high net worth, ambitious individuals. So you can tell yeah. straight away, because of the different markets, they have very different branding. So for me, one of the skills that helped in terms of my branding is design. I've grown up as someone who's always been interested in design. So for me, it was a great skill to be able to design my own graphics, uh, to design my own sort of uh, marketing materials. And the reason I share that with you is not that I expect you to design amazing marketing material. Although it does <laughs> yeah, help. It's not a design, a design <laughs> course. So take, go and take a design, mastering design. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that I expect you to design amazing marketing material, but it's to understand what are your strengths? What comes naturally to you that you can leverage to build your brand? So for me, it was design skills. Uh, it was speaking. For other people, it might be building a great online network. It might be building great communities. Now, you've got to understand what is your speciality uh, in terms of the area that you enjoy most and how can you tie that in with your branding? So that was the first place I started is thinking, well, who are the people I want to reach out? What do I want my design and marketing to look like? And once I got that right, it was then, well, how do I want to come across to people? And this is where I'm going to share with you, Simone, and to the listeners and viewers joining, is if you want to stand out in the business world, you must start thinking differently. You must start thinking differently. And that's what I started doing to develop a brand that is known. And you've got to think about this for your own brand. What is it about your brand that people remember? Mm -hmm. So for me, when I just started out, I still do this today, by the way. So if you have connected with me, you may recognize uh, how I do this with you. So when I connect with someone new on LinkedIn, as an example, or it's someone's birthday in my network, what you may have received is me sending you a personalized voice message, a personalized voice note. And that is part mm -hmm. of my branding because I enjoy speaking. I feel that the power of sending a voice note is much more powerful than a text message. Yeah. And so because I've done that every day, every week, every month over the last nearly decade, it has meant that I've got so many responses from people on these platforms saying, Simon, that is the first time I heard someone send me a voice note. It stood out to me and I had to listen to it. Mm. And the reason they have to listen to it because, well, they don't know what's in the message unless they click play. I, I <laughs> so that's what I started doing. I, I was really fascinated about human dynamics, human sort of social interactions, and how could I create those moments so people can get an experience of Simon's brand. And it's something I still do today. So once you know who you want to connect with, who you're targeting, who ideal clients are, what you stand for then you can use that information to go about creating a brand around you. 
And the personal brand in today's world is so important because whether you realize it or not, we are all a brand. Yeah. We are totally, everyone here is a brand. And if you're listening right now, think about, you know, how are you coming across? What are you showing up as? And what is your message? What are people associating you with? And uh, there is another thing that stood out uh, from what you said is that everyone has uh, different superpowers. So in your case, it was design. Mm. You had a background in design, you had an eye for design, you knew how to design. And that's why you made it a crucial part of your business. Like I remember when you launch your, your new website or uh, when I see your graphics online, they are on point. They are on point. And that was from the very beginning. And that's why I like, I loved watching your things. Yeah. While, for example, for people that think, but, but I don't have a good eye for design. Yeah. Think about what is your superpower? Like my superpower is not design at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely like, I'm, I'm very un, un, undesignable. Um, if it is, this is even a word. It's not a word. <laughs> let's, let's pretend it's a word right, right now. And um, you mentioned building communities. That's why I'm good at bringing people together. And that's what we did with GTEx. For us, uh, it wasn't about design. It was about uh, getting, creating moments for people to share together and us facilitating that one. And that's for us, our brand is around community. So what is it? Think about what is your brand? Because now that we are going to talk about the book deal in a moment, then uh, you can see how the journey unfolds. Now, people see the, as I mentioned at the beginning, people see the book deal at the end without realizing, okay, first there's been the decision and going against the status quo of starting his coaching business. Then there has been the first few speaking engagements and talking in front of a room of five, six people and developing the speaking skills. That has been the developing and the building of the brand with all that concern. And then there is a, before we go to the book deal, I have another part of your journey that I want to explore, which is uh, you made a big jump. And I think that also what um, gave you an edge mm. in terms of uh, being qualified to have a, con a conversation with, uh, with Penguin uh, from smaller gigs or delivering bigs for very established and known brands. Mm. How was that transition from the smaller gigs to the, to the large brand gigs for you? Sure. And I first want to echo what you said, Simone, because that transition is also uh, a nice analogy of what you shared about. It is not an overnight journey. You don't just get the reward straight away. And these bigger gigs happens uh, over the course of a, of a couple of years. So what people look at when they look at the outside, they look at the names or the book deal or the partnerships and they go, wow, that's amazing. But what often gets forgotten is the groundwork and the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. So for me, it was building a lot of what I like to use as a term I like to use, which I'm taking from Robert Cialdini called persuasion. There's a lot of persuading that goes on in the background. So what I mean by this is relationship building. So what I was doing early on is I kind of worked out who are the people that I would love to connect with and what are the platforms that they would like to speak on. So, for example, Simone, journalists love Twitter but they don't really use many other platforms well, but they love Twitter. So for mm -hmm. me, it was going onto Twitter, connecting with these journalists, creating Twitter lists so I can follow them, I can jump into conversations. And so they get to know me uh, as someone who's a friend on Twitter. 
So that was how I was building my sort of relationships with journalists. In Facebook, uh, I was leveraging Facebook groups to, again, to connect with communities, to connect with those uh, in the entrepreneurial world, in the corporate world. Um, in LinkedIn, I joined groups there in which there are some CMOs across the world in there. And again, that starts to give me access not only to these organizations, but also to learn about what is important to them, what events are they running, who are they hiring to speak at their events, why are they hiring them? Basically, I'm trying to reverse engineer as to how people get the gig so I can learn how to apply it myself. Uh, and also understanding who do I need to speak to and how can I brand myself so I'm in their, in their sort of news feeds. So just to show you how everything links together, because I started to build these relationships with the journalists, I then got an opportunity to write for, say, Daily Express. Mm -hmm. And it, let, let's be honest, it's not the number one newspaper in the country. It's not like the Daily Telegraph or the Guardian, but it was a nice start. And I started to get a lot more, uh, I would guess, sort of like media opportunities here and there to write for these smaller newspapers. And actually, it was because of these opportunities that led to the medium and then to the bigger opportunities. Because wow. from the Daily Express article, uh, I was then asked from Virgin if they could feature me in a blog on the Virgin website because I happened to be writing about something that they were also writing about on their blog. And so they invited me to write in their blog. And because of the Virgin blog, that was then picked up by BBC Radio London, uh, who wanted to interview me about uh, how do we begin the new year in the most productive way. And then from BBC Radio London, I got another newspaper interview, and that led me to Sky News, which I did just before coronavirus caused the UK to go into lockdown. Uh, in early 2020. Now, parallel to, to this, I remember what, watching. I remember watching. I remember, <laughs> I, re I remember watching. It was like that's Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Simone. I think that only lasted about six or seven minutes, but it felt to me like six or seven seconds. It just mm -hmm. went so quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But parallel to this, Simone, is the speaking was moving up because of these media placements and it's something i want to emphasize because this goes back to brand because when you're seen in these uh places when you're heard uh what happens is it gives people greater trust that if they were to bring you into their organization you will add value you will add value i don't know who quoted this but someone said it takes on average seven to eight touch points before people yeah. want to do business with you and key to understanding this, it's not seven or eight follow-ups, it's seven to eight different ways that they get to hear about you. So that could be seeing you on YouTube, that could be reading about you in the paper, that could be hearing you on a podcast or listening to you do an interview, seeing you on Clubhouse or Twitter, whatever it is. The more touch points they get of you, the more they're convinced that you are someone that they want to do business with. Uh it is fascinating how you connect all the dots from the creating twister list on Twitter <laughs> and liking comments and engaging in a conversation to what leads to a six minutes actually interview on a BBC and six minutes in television time mm. is a long time. <laughs> people don't realize that like people are happy to have the 30 seconds mm. on national television, six minutes of an interview which was just focused on you, yeah. no other guests, no other panelists, that's top notch. And uh, as Simon said, you have, uh, uh, when you get featured in media, then automatically that starts elevating your brand. 
which then opens up also corporate opportunities, other speaking engagements, and one media opportunity leads to another. And that's also what, what we reinforce all the time in the people that are joining our profile builder program, which is all around getting featured on media, getting featured on publication. You never know who is going to pick up that piece of interview. You never know who that podcast that you are going to be on is going to be listened by or the introduction that the host is going to make. Mm. But sometimes a journalist will introduce you to another journalist. A TV editor, a, a news editor will introduce to another news editor. And then from one opportunity, you leverage and you get 10 different things from the back of one single, of one single thing. And I think, Simona, this touches on a more universal point, uh, which I think is best summed up by something that Denzel Washington said when he accepted an award for his role in the film Fences. He said to the audience, without commitment, you will never begin. But more importantly, without consistency, you will never finish. Mm -hmm. And I think this word consistency is important because every day that you and I keep going is another day that hundreds of thousands, if not millions around the world will give up and go home. Now, the longer that you stay in the game, the more access to opportunities you will get because the competition will just get less and less the longer you're in the game. Uh, again, I can see the amount of people that I did courses with at the beginning, talking about like 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, very few people actually <laughs> have built something. And uh, and it's so true. It's so true. I'm just thinking, man, 11 years now. Yeah. Wow. All right. So uh, let's now talk about the book deal. And now it's time to talk about the book deal. How did that happen? And uh, how was the starting point of the conversations? Uh, because I know that there are other people like yourself that they have done the work. They built the brand. They got the speaking engagements. They got the feature. They even got the nice design. And... <laughs> And now they're thinking, okay, how do I get that book deal? So how was the journey for you? Sure. So I'm going to take you back to uh, the middle of 2019, because this is really where the book journey happened. So in the middle of 2019, I was doing uh, a half yearly review uh, of my business, uh, you know, what I've achieved, what could be better, and some of the things that I wanted to work on. And I'm going to be honest with you. Writing a book was probably about number nine or 10 in the list of things that I wanted to focus my energy on. So it wasn't even top five or top three. And it wasn't until uh, I think it was September, October 2019 that year that I went to a Marie Folio event held at a members club in, the, in London called The Conduit. And yeah, then, I remember that. Yeah, this was a very intimate event. So I think there was only about 65 or 70 of us in a very yeah. small room. And one of the things I do, and again, I'm going to share another tip with you here about how you can think different as a business owner is whenever I go to an event, I always aim to sit in the front row. I always aim to sit in the front row. And here's why. When you sit in the front row, you don't know who you're sitting next to. And more often than not, it tends to be the team of the person that is speaking on stage. And so I was sitting on the front row here. I was chatting. I went early uh, to just connect with the people in the front row. Uh, Marie came up. She did her talk about the book, Everything is Figure Outable. And by the end, she was outside doing the book signing. Now, I looked at the people uh, in the queue doing the book signing, and I thought, well, you know, I can join the queue, get my book signed, and off I go. Or why don't I chat to some of her team? 
So I didn't join the queue. Instead, I started chatting to the people in the front row. Uh, and before I knew it, I was chatting to her fashion consultant. I was chatting to her video team, her photography team, and the people that had traveled with her from America to London. Hmm. And by the time that queue finished, she came back and said, who is this guy pointing at me? And we got into a very quick discussion about what I did, uh, obviously what she did, which I already knew, but it was just good to hear it from her in person. Uh, and she was telling me all about her book. And I was saying to her, well, you know, I'm, it's on my list as something to do, not high in my priority, but, uh, you know, it's inspiring to see someone like yourself uh, who has done so well in writing a book. And she said to me, you know what, if you write a book one day, Simon, you should think about Penguin uh, because they've been great. They've been great to work with uh, and also in marketing my book here in Europe. And so I go away, Simone, and it's in my head about writing a book. Suddenly it now seems to be rising up my priority list after this experience. Mm -hmm. I, I still put it to one side. And then in November, December that year, so towards the end of 2019, uh, I get an email from a boutique publisher saying to me, Simon, we would love to meet uh, and explore the opportunity of you writing a book with us. And before I replied to that email to say, yes, let's grab a coffee, I had a thought to myself, which started really moving this towards where I am today. I said to myself, if I am really going to dedicate time to write a book, why not go for the biggest publisher in the world? Now, no disrespect to the boutique publisher. Uh, I'm sure it would have been a great partnership as well. Uh, but I just had a thought, if I'm going to do this properly, yeah. why not work with a really well-established player? I think Peng Penguin has uh, just a little bit more to bring to the table. <laughs> just a little bit more. <laughs> exactly. So, so I ended up thinking, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to see who the team is over at Penguin. And so what I did, Simona, is I sent them uh, a LinkedIn message and I sent an email. Uh, to, to a couple of the team with no expectation of a reply. I thought, mm -hmm. I'm going to send it out, but hey, if, uh, if it's a no, fine. If it's a yes, well, that's even better. But I was expecting a no, but I thought I'll give it a shot anyway. So nothing happens until after Christmas. So we move towards January 2020. And then I get a message back that says, Simon, uh, would you be free to catch up for coffee at Penguin offices in the next two to three weeks? Now, of course, my answer is yes. Of course, my answer is yes. <laughs> Let me check my diary, please. <laughs> so I, I head over to their office and I'm already inspired, Simone. I'm walking through to one of their meeting rooms and I'm seeing the books that they've published recently. The likes of Marie Forleo, Simon Sinek, Seth Godin, uh, and uh, Eric Rees from The Lean Startup. And I'm mm -hmm. seeing all these books on, the, on, on sort of the window frames as I'm walking towards their meeting room. And I'm now massively inspired. Suddenly that book has jumped up to top three from being a nine or a 10. And that conversation of back and forth, Simone, lasted until about July uh, mm -hmm. until they said, yes, we would like to offer you a deal uh, and we would like to partner to launching your first book. And that's how it happened wow. in a nutshell. Wow. And it's the first book. It's not it's that you have written well, a lot of other books. Hopefully the first of many. <laughs> the first of many, but it's still it's still the first. And you know, there are some people that got book deals after self-publishing for years and then they got noticed and got a book deal. And uh, I, I like the story of thinking big and what you did. You turned down an opportunity that was almost secure. 
Like they approached you. So they had they had interest. If you were finding a way, I'm sure you would ever find a way to make it work. But you had the, the, the cojones, <laughs> the, the guts to say, no, actually, let me let me try for the for the for the bigger one. And uh, it, it is a reminder for everyone to think big that, uh, you know, not necessarily we need to go to step one, step two, step three, step five, step six. If you're ready, we can immediately jump to step 10 mm-hmm. and then wait and see. And then that happened. So now if you were to look back and to look at the number one thing and the number one thing that you did that got you this book deal, and you can only pick one. Sure. What would that be for you? I would say that is an easy question for me, Simone. It goes back to what we've touched on before. It's that B word, brand. Because what happens is that as soon as you send a message to anyone, so in this case, it was Penguin, but it could be anyone. As soon as you send a cold email to anyone, guess what the first thing they would do is? They're going to hop onto Google and check your name out. They're going to go to Instagram. They're going to go to YouTube. They're going to go to LinkedIn and see who is Simon? Who is Simon? What does he do? And if you've got nothing on there, then they're not really going to be convinced you're someone they want to invest in. But if they go on there and start seeing videos of you in action, seeing what you share, seeing the things you write, seeing what other people said about you, then guess how different they will feel about inviting you for a conversation. Because now you have to think about it this way. When you're working with a traditional publisher, commercials are very important. They're running a business, right? So they've got to be able to see that if we partner with this person, whether that's for a book deal, whether that's for a talk or any other opportunity, will we also get a return? Will I also get a return on investing in this person? Is this person going to sell books? Because if not, well, what's in it for them? It might be a lot for you, but what's in it for them if they can't be convinced you have a viable opportunity? The B word. (laughs) <laughs> brand, 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 brand. That's what it comes down to. And uh, I invite you to follow uh, Simon and see how he builds his brand, how he does social media posts, incredible Instagram account as well. Check him out on LinkedIn because um, th- there is a lot to learn just by observing the way you build you build your brand. Now, we haven't talked about the, the, the last thing, which is uh, the book is called Energize. What's the book about? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about all this like this build up but we haven't actually talked about it. what's the book about so similarly it's interesting so when i was putting together the proposal for penguin i had a thought to myself of what i could write about because there's a lot of things i could write about and i was having memories of whenever i would finish a talk on stage i would come down and speak to members in the audience and i would always get this comment from the audience saying simon i love your energy I feel energized now. I feel like ready to run through brick walls. I want to accomplish a lot now. Just after hearing you speak, I wish I could have a little bit of your energy. And so I thought, well, why not talk about that? So what the book is called is Energize. And what it's built around is how we can transform the way we live and the way we work by transforming our energy. And energy comes in these various forms, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social. Physical, simply put, means that if you're not getting sufficient rest, if you're not eating right, if you're not making exercise a part of your routine, no strategy or hack is going to help you. No strategy or hack is going to help you. 
If you wake up having only got two hours of sleep, you're eating junk and you're just not moving your body at all, then nothing is going to help you until you get that in order first. So that almost creates the foundation to living a more energized life. And then the rest follows. The mental side is really understanding how do you manage your mental energy so that you can have the focus required to succeed in life. Social is all about your environment. You know, simply put, the quickest way to move forward in your business is to cultivate an environment that makes it impossible not to succeed. Your emotional by simply having empathy. It's understanding yourself before you can understand others. Because self-development never happens until you first start being more self-aware. Mm-hmm. Oh, so ladies and gentlemen, energize. Uh, and you had a, a little preview now here on this podcast. The book is going to be out on uh, April 2022, uh, but you can pre-order it now. The link is in the show notes. So if you can go to the show notes, you can click straight the link and pre-order it now. Or otherwise, you can go on BIT dot ly so it's a bitly link bit.ly forward slash energize book all one word and energize with the z so energize book all one word so bit.ly forward slash energize book and then you can pre-order your copy uh simon uh, any final word before we wrap up this interview The only final words I would share, Simone, as a bit of encouragement for those of you, regardless of where you are in your journey, is this. Remember, when you do what most won't, you will eventually be able to live like most can't. That's the message I want to leave you with because it's one that has served me well over the years. Ladies and gentlemen, Simon Alexander Rong here at Explode Your Expert Business Show. And if you are not following him, make sure you check him out. Make sure all the links as well on top of the book, they are on the show notes. And also I appreciate if you leave a review as well about this episode uh, on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, hit the review button and let us know what you enjoy the most about this episode. Remember reviews are the lifeblood of the show. So if you enjoy it, is a big favor that I want to ask you. Um, and until next time, always remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao for now. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.